standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Thank you, Dave. Continuing chronologically through the entire Bible, we're in the book of Proverbs, but we need to remember that Solomon did not include this section in his book. Solomon wrote them and left them out. And we should always ask, why did Solomon leave these out? Proverbs chapter 25 is where we're at, beginning with verse 18. Proverbs 25, verse number 18. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. This is obvious, but I'm going to show you something this morning maybe you've never seen before. Very rarely will the victim be there when it happens. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul, a sword, and a sharp arrow, inflicting pain, but very rarely Will the neighbor hear it firsthand? Very rarely. If I can't say it when they are present, it is either false or hurtful or a sword. Let me say that again. If I can't say it when they are present, it's either false, hurtful, a sword, or a sharp arrow. If I can't say it while they're there, I'm going to prove that to you. Doug the Edomite is a perfect example that we read about just a moment ago. What he said was true. Did Doug lie? Doug did not lie. Doug told the truth. But he would not have said it if David was there. If I can't say it when they're there, it's either false or hurtful or destructive. Period. Now you check me on that one. I'll guarantee it. It's every single time. If I can't say it when they're there, it's false or it's hurtful. How much pain did it produce? That's the question. Well, what he said was true. How much pain did it produce? I've heard over the years, over and over, but what I said was true. How much pain will it produce? If I can't say it, when they're there, it's false or it's hurtful. Verse 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. This is one of the most commonly misobeyed, um, disobeyed Proverbs commandments in the whole Bible in church. This is most commonly broke in church. 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Verse 19, confidence in an unfaithful man. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful, not talented. Not talented. Nowhere are we commanded to be good at what we do. Nowhere. Doing a perfect job when I am here never, ever makes up for when I just don't show up. And in church, this happens all the time. All the time. I know of a church in Winter Garden that takes 30 volunteers for each service. 30. 
I was told that they work those volunteers to death because no one will help them. How big is a church when it needs 30 volunteers? And why are they getting no help? At least ask someone to do it for me ahead of time. At the very least. Ask somebody, will you make sure this is done? Somebody will do it. Oh, I've heard that a thousand times. Somebody will do it. But it will always be awkward. It will always be awkward. It'll be a broken tooth. It'll be a foot out of joint. Why? Because they haven't had time to prepare. They've walked in. Here it is. Is it ever going to be prepared like it should be? Never. Never. At the very least, call somebody and say, hey, would you cover this for me? Again, this is not something that's uncommon. It's common across the board in every church. Verse 20. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar is upon mitre. Stop right there. Don't answer out loud. Does how many of you know what mitre is? You're telling me you've read your Bible your whole life and never looked up what mitre is. Well, i got to admit, yes, I have read the Bible my whole life and never looked up what mitre was, and so I did because I knew I was going to have to explain it to you. Mitre is baking soda. That's all it is, baking soda. Vinegar upon baking soda produces a reaction like boiling, and that's what he's talking about. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather is vinegar upon nitre or boiling, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. He makes it worse. He makes it worse. Singing songs to a heavy heart. These people with heavy hearts are easy to spot. They can't cover it up. Okay? We don't have to worry about mis-evaluating mis someone with a heavy heart. They're easy to spot. I'll give you an easy one to spot, and that's Jason. A week ago, Jason had a heavy heart, and it was obvious he had a heavy heart. He's got a great heart now, okay? A person that sings songs to a heavy heart. Cheer up. Cheer up. Come on. Never works. Ever. Don't ever use those words, cheer up. I submit to you there's never a proper time to say cheer up. Ever. Do this and you'll fix it. Rarely works. Now this one, Christians who know their Bible are, are very uh, famous for. Do this and it'll get better. Rarely does it work. Why? They've got a heavy heart. They are swimming in emotion. They don't have the clarity of thought to be able to do this. If it is cold, Cold weather is the example he gives. If it is cold, be cold with them. He that taketh away a garment in cold weather, sit with him. Wear your own coat. Let him wear his coat and tough it out with him. Say what you want for Job's three friends. They stayed with him. No one else even came to see him. <coughs> if life is bitter, be sad with them. I am more guilty of this than anybody else. Because in my mind, everything is black or white. There is no gray. And so in my mind, 
what you're feeling is your own fault so change what you're doing and then let me know how it goes that's my the logic in my mind the problem is is that's cruel me that's cruel okay if life is bitter be sad with them say you know what I don't know what it feels like to be you but if you'll let me I'll help you in whatever way I can I'm not going to help you do wrong I'm not going to guarantee that anything's going to get better but if you'll let me I'll try that's something that will help a person with a heavy heart if there is a solution do it with them again I'm more guilty than anybody else if there's a solution do it with them particularly when it comes to finances we are so quick to say you got to start tithing start tithing it'll all be better do it with them now I learned this one in this church I'm not bragging I'm telling you giving you an example there was a man and woman in this church they are gone now don't try to figure out who it is it doesn't matter but I was well aware that they were so messed up in their money they were never ever going to tie their way out of it they were too far behind and so I felt the Lord leading me do it with them and it scared me because they were so far behind and so I told them if you'll do what I say I will personally guarantee all your bills will be paid I'll pay them if you'll do what I say now at that point we're doing it together and they said okay I'm not going to tell you all the steps we did but you know what within 30 days they were on their feet why because I believe God blessed me doing it with them I believe God blessed my desire to genuinely help them typically though we'll throw five dollars and say get away from me we don't say it out loud but we pay people to go away let's do it with them Romans 12 15 rejoice with them that do rejoice weep with them that weep but weeping is not fun eventually we're going to be the one that's weeping and we're going to wish there was somebody there to help us promise you 21 if thine enemy be hungry give him bread to eat if he is thirsty give him water to drink for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord shall reward thee I'm curious how many of you in this room have heard this proverb before okay this is absolutely one of Solomon's most famous proverbs and is even quoted by Paul verbatim Romans 12 20 therefore if I enemy hunger feed him if he thirst give him drink for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head extremely famous proverb watch the screen Solomon did not include it in his original collection this was added by Hezekiah Solomon did write it Solomon did not include it in Proverbs and we need to ask why we need to ask why and I submit to you the answer is going to be found in Ecclesiastes I'm almost positive the answer is going to be found in Ecclesiastes by the way what are the coals heaping coals of fire on somebody's head if you heap them on dad's head it's going to light up and how does that help them at all what could it be some scholars say it means making them feel guilty but no I think the Bible interprets itself I'm confident 
that everywhere Scripture gives us something that needs to be understood, it'll give us another place to help us understand it. And this one is exactly that way. Psalm 140, verse 9, asks for the head of those that can pass me about or my enemies. Let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall on them. Let them be cast into deep fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. What are the coals? The coals is letting God deal with it. God deals with it very, very um, effectively. But the fire comes from above, not, not this way. God takes care of it. 23, the north wind driveth away. Now this has always caused me problem. The north wind driveth away rain is what the next word is. What is driveth away? Because every time I've ever heard of a north wind, it meant rain's coming. So is the Bible's science wrong? No. We can start with the assumption the Bible is correct. So what does this mean? I looked up the Hebrew word. Mm -hmm. Driveth away is actually one Hebrew word, not two. It's one Hebrew word meaning twist. Now this makes sense. The north wind driveth away rain. No, the north wind stirs up rain. I don't know why the King James translators translated that, but the Hebrew says what it says. So doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. The north wind stirs up rain, so doth an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. Anger creates anger, is what it says. The matter I get, the matter I'm going to make the person that I'm at. All the time. The matter I get, the matter I'm going to make them. In the same way that the north wind feeds the rain, my anger feeds their anger. A soft answer is a much better root. Proverbs 15.1, which Solomon did include. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. 24 continues the thought. It's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman and a wide house. This one we've heard a lot. Solomon included this one verbatim. It's better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The only difference is um, oh, there they said of the, no it's, it's, it's the same what's the, I can't, I'm too close to it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do this and I didn't. Better dwell in the corner of the housetop. And in a wide house, in a wide house. I looked it up in Hebrew, it's verbatim Hebrew. Okay, so even though it's different in the King James, it's verbatim Hebrew, the exact same Hebrew words. That's very important. Why did the men of Hezekiah put it here? They did not make a mistake. I submit to you, that they quoted the verse that Solomon had in his book. They put it there on purpose. I believe they're doing the same thing that Solomon did by applying it to the last verse. I think that's the key to interpreting Proverbs is context. The key to interpreting any part of the Bible is context. 
It's better to go on the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. He's talking about dealing with difficult people. So what is the solution? Difficult people are difficult. Difficult people typically don't change because difficult people typically are selfish. This one is easy. Ephesians 5.33 Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. I submit to you this will work in any relationship. Make them feel safe. Don't feed the anger. Make them feel safe. What is love? Love is patient. It's not angry. Love is kind. It's not angry. Love is gentle. It's not angry. Anger. Anger it comes up in a minute. But the Bible says anger worketh not the deeds of God, the righteousness. the righteousness of God. Anger worketh not the righteousness of God. Anger is almost a guarantee I'm going to make it worse, period. So what do I do with my anger? Just bury it? Well, psychologists say you're supposed to let it out and make it better. That way it doesn't boil over. I submit to you, if you want to let it out, let it out to God privately. Let it out to God privately. God knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly why you're feeling it. And he is not afraid to let you unload on him. He does not want us unloading on each other. As you said Wednesday night, he takes that very personally. Verse 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. This verse never was more applicable than it is today. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. How are Matthew and Jana polar? Don't say a word. Does anyone know how they are? Okay. You may not even recognize the name. If you don't recognize the name, that tells me that you don't use your prayer list. It's in the prayer list every single week. Matthew and Jonna are one of our six missionaries. We've only got six. And we, we pay them regularly. How are Matthew and Jonna Polar? Where are Matthew and Zana, Jonna Polar? Don't answer out loud, but do you know where they're at? Okay. This is why we don't think twice about how they are. This is where Matthew and John Polar are, okay? Gaza City is where the missiles were launched. Beery, right here, is where the hostages were taken. Up here, in Ashdod, the top of the screen, is where Matthew and John Polar are. That is about 40 miles, four zero miles. Six days ago, this is what I found out, six days ago, Hamas said that it had shot 120 rockets toward Ashdod. That's where your missionary's at. And nearby Ashkelon. Most intercepted by Israel's Iron Dome air defense system. Stop right there. What is that? First of all, we must remember that the shooting of rockets is not anything new in Israel. They are at war all the time. They're used to it. 
They have a defense system over that that shoots down missiles almost every single day. It's almost like fireworks. You can see the trail. It's nothing unusual to them. Last Monday, they shot 120, okay? Most did not make it through. One did in Ashdod. This is a picture from Ashdod where Matthew and John Apoler live. I want you to understand something. This is the only place, this intersection in Ashdod, that got hit. Only place. So don't feel like the, the whole city's on fire. This is the only place, but it did get through. As of Friday evening, this is what I found out. In Ashdod, about 40 miles from the Gaza border, and a frequent target of Hamas rockets, warnings of a possible air attack sounded Friday night, alerting people to get to a shelter. That includes Matthew and Jana Polar. Yesterday at 2 o'clock. Hello, Brother King and the family at Arcadia. We are well and appreciate your prayers. Our hearts are heavy and we seek wisdom how we can be the most effective for his glory. In his service, Matthew and John. Talk about good news from a far country. That's good news from a far country. Yes, sir. But we didn't always have the internet, did we? We didn't always have a telephone. Imagine your grandparents, your grandparents, having loved ones thousands of miles away. Now, from your grandparents going back to Adam and Eve, this is the way it was. So for literally 6,000 years, this is how it was. Loved ones thousands of miles away. It would be weeks before any news came. The event would likely be over before they even knew it existed. Imagine the pressure that was on the families of missionaries. They might not even be alive. Now we know it. Gives even more meaning to as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Sometimes the Bible is the only news. Thank God <coughs> we've got the Bible. Amen. We've got promises that unsaved people don't have. Right. There are people in Israel that want nothing to do with Jesus. They've got loved ones here that want nothing to do with Jesus, and they've got no hope except for an iron dome that didn't work. Sometimes the Bible is the only news. Thank the Lord for what He is doing. Amen. What is He doing? I don't know. It's none of my business what he's doing. But he's made some promises that I can depend on. Not going to go into specifics, but there's a reason Malik is here today. I am thanking God for what he is doing. I don't know what it is, but I am thanking God for what he is doing. When we found out that he was going to have to come today, it caused a question. Because I've got two um, elderly folks in the back seat, and there is no Will's front seat. So Blake's got to go in the middle of the back seat. And it's a two and a half hour drive both ways. 
how in the world am I going to keep him under control? I'm convinced the Lord gave me this solution. Put Ramona up front. So she, she's the one with the problem with her back. Put her up front. She don't need to be back there with him. Put Michelle in the back. Michelle helped make this problem. Truth be told. You know it's true. Dad's not going to complain. He probably won't even remember about it. So there's your problem. You put Michelle, Malik in the back seat. I've got two cars I can drive. Which one should I drive? On Friday, I thought, let's measure the back seat. I don't know why I thought that, but, it, but I, I, only, I can only give credit for him putting my head. Measure it. So I measured Dad's back seat, 48 inches. I measured Michelle's back seat, 51 inches. Guess which car we brought? Okay? It's just a little bit of wisdom. But you know what? On the way here, no one complained. No one. It was so amazing. I was thanking God, thank you so much that this is a calm ride. And it occurred to me, this is what he's doing. This is the good that's in what I perceive as bad. There's always good there. Always. I just choose not to look for it. And honestly, I'm as guilty as anybody else. When this all started, I thought, here we go again. It didn't occur to me that God might be doing something. Again, what is it? It's not my business. All I got to do is ask God, what do you want me to do in this? And then sit back and trust that there is good news from a very, 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 very far heaven. But thank God He's here with me now. He was in that car with us. He was there this past week, and He's going to be there tomorrow. I just got to look for the good. Solomon previously included it here, Proverbs 13, 17. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. I wonder why he included 13.17, but not 25.25. Do not assume that he made a mistake. Solomon knew what he was doing. He set these Proverbs in order, including leaving certain ones out. But they both say basically the same thing to me. But in Solomon's wise mind, there's something different in those two Proverbs. I don't know what. Proverbs 15.23, again, Solomon said, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? On the surface looks exactly the same, but in Solomon's wisdom, he chose to leave out verse 25 in chapter 25. Hezekiah added one that Solomon left out earlier in chapter, chapter 25, verse 13. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Four different times it says basically the same thing, but Solomon in two of them saw something different. I have not found what Solomon saw. All of it added together, in my opinion. All of the four verses added together, including what was added and what was not added. All of it put together tells us we need to keep our words positive at the very least. At the very least, keep our words positive, even in negative situations. Four different times, it's a good thing to be positive. Four different times. Two of them are microscopically different than the other two, but all four of them always stay positive. Sometimes it takes some thought to stay positive. Sometimes it takes some prayer to stay positive. 
Sometimes it takes some investigating to find something to be positive about. You've all heard the story about the lady who was so positive that she, she always had something good to say about everybody. A woman come up to her and said, I know somebody you can't say anything but good about at all. Who's that? The devil. There's nothing good about him. How many of y'all have not heard this before? You've all heard it. Okay. You never heard this? I thought sure you go to it. The woman thought about it. What positive thing is there about a devil? Well, he's consistent. And he is. To me, the devil is the biggest proof that God is real. Because the devil always shows up. Always. If, he, if there's a devil that always shows up, that tells me there must be a God who created him, that God can overpower him, a God that's actually doing something with him. And when he shows up, it occurs to me, problems are not bad because God allowed them. Problems actually make me stronger. I just have to choose to look for the good. Keep it positive, even if it takes some thought. But all of our words should require thought. James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. What controls the speed? Thought. Thought has to go into it first. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Think before we respond. But so often it just comes out. We have to choose to try. We're sinners. We're not going to be perfect. But so often we don't even try. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's the verse. Thank you, Wade. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I submit to you, none of man's emotions worketh the righteousness of God. If I'm swimming in emotion, I need to stop. Even if it's good emotion, I need to stop. Let the emotions settle. Then ask God, what do you want me to do? Let the emotions settle. Then ask God, what do you want me to say? But wait till the emotions subside. This is hard for an emotional person because we've learned, I say we, we have learned that responding quickly makes the emotion acceptable. If I'm angry, yell, and it gets it out of me. No, I've got to keep it in. Keep it in. Go quietly to God and let him have it. But this takes time. It takes some thought. No emotion, in my opinion, if there is one, tell me later, but no emotion works the righteousness of God. We work the righteousness of God with a clear head. When we've thought it through, when we've found a Bible verse, when we have sought counsel, and a lot of times, by the time we figure out the right response, the problem's not even really a problem anymore. But so often, we go back to where we started and say, problems build problems. Anger stirs up anger. Anger does not work the righteousness of God. Verse 26, this is an interesting one. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. A troubled fountain, that's easy to understand. A corrupt spring, that's easy to understand. What is a righteous man falling but down before the wicked? A righteous man falling down before... 
If he falls down before the wicked, that means he's not righteous. Unless there's a place where we do it. As righteous people, there's a place that we do it. I'm convinced that there is. A Christian who submits to a non-Christian. A Christian who submits to a non-Christian. is falling down before the wicked. He's not worshiping him. He's not saying that he's smarter. He's just simply submitting. He's just simply submitting. He's letting the non-Christian have his way. A Christian who submits to a non-Christian will muddy the waters for those he is supposed to be an example to. Because there are always people watching. They're always going to say, well, Brother King did it. it must be okay to do that. Didn't know we could do that. Ramona did it. Must be okay to do that. Wade did it. Must be okay to do that. Muddying the waters. He will eventually have conflicts, troubled fountain. A Christian who submits to a non-Christian. 2 Corinthians 6 is where this comes into play, and we'll finish with this particular proverb. Verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? This is usually applied to marriage, but it is actually all relationships where the other person does not submit to Scripture. All of them, including business. Including business. I submit to you, I would never, ever, ever counsel a safe person to do any business with an unsafe person. Ever. Ever. It causes problems. It muddies the water. Verse 15. What concord does Christ have with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God saith. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Israel, when they were spiritual, which was very rarely, but when Israel was spiritual, they didn't do business on the Sabbath. Didn't do it. That's what this is talking about. But it's taking it to the rest of the week. I'm not doing business with a non-Christian. This takes wisdom because we don't always know if they're Christian or not. Okay? A good way to find out is how their reputation is. If they've got a bad reputation, I don't care if they're saved, I wouldn't do business with them. This is just common sense. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So very, very important. Why? Because this can cost us. If we decide I'm only going to do business with Christians or people who act in a Christian way, it's going to cost us. Guaranteed. But God will compensate for any loss incurred. I love this verse. God will compensate for any loss incurred. Unless he's not God. Unless he's Santa Claus and just doing the best that he can. Saying, be good little boy. Be good little girl. By the way, Santa gives more to rich kids than he does to poor kids. God don't do that. Do we have a God? 
Does God know what we should do? Or is this just a small Christian club? There's one exception to this, by the way. Existing marriages. This is the only exception. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him put, let him put, not put her away. Okay? In existing marriage, this does not apply. The woman which hath a husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Doesn't apply. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. The believing wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. This verse here you could preach a whole sermon on. But what it boils down to is it gives God opportunities to change them. That's the purpose of the Christian remaining in this particular relationship. If the unbelieving depart though, let him depart. As much as God hates divorce, he hates these kind of relationships more. If the unbelieving depart, let him. Don't force him to stay. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Obviously, she's not going to save him in a literal sense, but how do you know that God's not going to use you to bring your husband to the Lord? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? I wonder why Solomon didn't include this one. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're God. Thank you there's nothing that Hamas can throw at us that you can't handle. Thank you for that rocket that made it through to Ashdod. And thank you for not letting it hit Matthew and John. Thank you for the thing that I'm going through. Thank you you have that under control. Thank you there's good in it. Thank you, I need to talk positively about it. Please help me not to complain. Please help me not to be angry. Please help me not to be bitter. Please help me look for the good that's there. And even if I can't find it, please help me trust you because you say it's there. Life's not easy. Father, thank you that you are always, always, always faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.